Hey everyone, today I have Mr. Andy Wood on the show. He's an author of the book Creating a Lean and Green Business System together with Dr. Peter Hines and Kevin Zucco. This is a book that really influenced me. It's, it's right on a passion of mine, which is environmental, but also a passion of mine, which is business improvement. And it really talks to the win-win you can achieve. There is no win-lose there. I'm really pleased to bring this episode to everyone so that we can truly know how to create a better future for our organization, our customers, ourselves, society, and the planet. One thing to point before we go to the show is we've put up onto the website enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com downloads our how-to guide on Lean and Green. This is an extra information booklet you can get hold of to be able to delve into it and get going straight away. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where we aim to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve and create enduring, high-performance, low-impact enterprises. Learn how to enhance morale, customer and purpose centricity, focus and calmness. Learn how to create and sustain a culture of excellence at all levels of your organisation. I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to episode 155 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Mr. Andy Wood on the show with us today. Andy is the CEO of Adamant, a UK manufacturer of premium beers renowned for the quality of its product and the culture of its continuous improvement drive for economic, social and environmental gains it's achieved. Andy's book, Creating a Lean and Green Business System with Dr. Peter Hines and Kevin Zokai, is one of my favourite, most inspirational books I've read. Um, Andy is believer in business being a force for good, you know, driving greater change towards responsible capitalism. Andy is passionate about building brands and developing progressive organizational culture. Let's get into the episode. Andy, thanks for joining us today. No, that's a pleasure. Great to be here, Brad. Yeah, appreciate it. Andy, what got you interested in responsible capitalism in the first place? Oh, it's it's a long, long story and goes back more than 20 20 years really um i uh in this region we have a university called the university of east anglia which is uh, uh has a really strong school of environmental science and i started to look at some of the science and it started to occur to me in my mind there are two great issues of our time one is climate change and uh, here in east anglia in in the uk we are in the front line of that we we face the north sea and um when there's a spring tide and the north sea surge some of our assets get flooded oh wow um you know people have been killed on this coast through floods and tidal surges so that's kind of getting worse but the other big issue of our time is uh inequality Mm. And, um, you know, we seem to be getting a greater gulf between the haves and the have-nots. So for me, the two big issues of our time are climate change and inequality. And surprise, surprise, both of those things are linked, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's been crazy the amount of change that's happened in both those spaces, isn't it? Like, I I really respect what you say about the haves and have-nots and inequality, inequality there also, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, on, on that, I, I hope that business can, you know, lead to a cleaner, greener, fairer future. Um, and, and I guess 
you know, that's where my thesis around business as a force for good comes in. Yeah. It's amazing what you've achieved also, mate, with admins and the journey forward. Like, how did you go about that journey, mate? Like, how did it kick off? How did you get down this path to, you know, really create an organization that is lean and green, but also doing greater for, you know, social equality? Well, I, I think it started... 20 plus years ago really we defined a set of organizational values and and one of those was around uh, a care for the built uh, natural and social environment mm. so you know many organizations determine their values um at that time rarely did you see them brought to life in real and tangible ways yeah and my myself and my colleagues on the board of directors here and the sort of senior leadership team decided that we did need to bring things to life in real and tangible ways if we were, if we were able to embed these values and uh, maintain the progress that, that we wanted to do. So we did some very big projects initially. We were having to renew our infrastructure anyway. And... Um, we did these big projects. We put a big distribution center outside of town. We moved our, our center of operations outside of town. And we built the uh, most sustainable industrial building in the UK at the time. Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's made out of lime hemp block. It's got a wooden frame. It's got an acre and a half of uh, sedum, which pulls carbon out of, out of the atmosphere. And most of all, most impressive, and it's really relevant right up to date with the energy crisis, is it acts as a thermos flask. So if it gets very hot inside, it stays very hot. If it gets very cool inside, it stays very cool. When we put the roof on the building in July 2006, it was 30 degrees outside. So we'd lock some heat in. The staff... The, the warehouse team came in at that time and opened the doors at night and got the temperature down to 14 degrees, closed the doors, and those airlock doors have maintained an ambient temperature of about 14 to 16 degrees in the 20 years since oh, yeah. without artificial heating or artificial cooling. That's highly relevant today when energy prices throughout the world are going through the roof. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, and I, I remember when I first read your book with Kevin and Peter, just the win-win that screamed through, you know, I think you hear so much with environmental where people talk about it as a win-lose, but there's just so much upside, isn't there? There is upside. There is upside. But um, at that time, I think the prices have come down a bit now, but I reckon we paid 20 to 25% more for that building Incidentally, we did some really interesting stuff in our brewery as well. Uh, and again, we play, paid a bit more. But if you play this out over the long term, the returns are there. And um, I think for business, and particularly in the political sphere, we've got to think over much longer timescales. And that's part of the problem with, with dealing with climate change, really, is uh, and, and the world at the moment, we can't get political consensus. And we're talking about making decisions for decades in advance. So it becomes quite troublesome. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? And I think for us to navigate these times, it requires that longer term thinking, doesn't it? And moving every day towards it. 
Yeah, it absolutely does. And and I think by and large, business gets it. It realizes that, you know, with climate change, it, it could have stranded assets. It realizes with climate change and disruption to people's lives, workforce stability will be a problem. Golly, we've seen that through the pandemic. Mm. Um, and we've seen it very acutely uh, through the pandemic and in particular in the industry that I work within. Uh, and that's just a foretaste of what could come if we don't address these issues. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's massive, isn't it? And I think to end, like you and I were talking about before the show, you know, I've got a major passion for this space of how do we create cultures of continuous improvement and innovation towards that win-win, you know, that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like what what part for you did, you know, bringing in that culture of continuous improvement, engaging everyone in this journey play over the years? Yeah, um, my sort of theory, and I don't, you know, it's not my theory, but what I've read and learned and studied over the years is, is it, it really has to it really has to revolve around people and culture. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, in modern parlance, you you sort of have to be clear about your purpose as an organisation and you need to be clear about what your values are. And that creates a sense of direction and it also creates a uh, behavioural framework within which you can then empower people. Because we we employ 550 people and I kind of want them to bring their brains into work. I don't want them to hang them up on the coat peg when they come in. Yeah. Um, because that way we are so much more powerful. They are in the front line serving our customers. They're running our manufacturing operations. They know far more about those things than I do. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's great if we can get their their brains engaged around this this sort of stuff you see yeah many hands make light work doesn't it but i guess when it comes to reducing environmental impact and also getting the gains from it it, there's a lot of improvement to be done isn't there like many many there's there's, there's massive massive improvement to be done i'm you know I, i see some great examples with business what they're doing around around the globe um we've been just a foretaste of that um you know, but but a little business like ours, based on the east coast of of, of the UK, we can make a difference. Um, back in 2010, we lightweighted our glass. 20, 20, 2009, we lightweighted the glass because we were working with one of our biggest retailers. Um, we did an environmental assessment of all the carbon emissions throughout the supply chain for um, a product that we were we, we were going to produce for them. By far the greatest carbon emissions, surprise, surprise, was blowing glass. We lightweighted that glass and we had the lightest beer bottle in the market at the time. Um, But others followed suit. And when I got off the plane, I was fortunate enough to go to the World Cup, uh, Football World Cup in, in, in South Africa. And I saw AB InBev had had posters up talking about lightweighting their bottle. Yeah. Now, that was a global brewer, um, the biggest, if not one of the biggest brewers in the world. And you can see that a little bit of behavioral change over here could lead to a big change elsewhere so i was really pleased to see that so yeah i think it's important for businesses of all different sizes to be pioneering in this area yeah 
Andy, there's a, a famous singer in Australia called Paul Kelly and another guy called Kev Carmody. And uh, he's First Nation, right. Kev Carmody. And they wrote a song called From Little Things, Big Things Grow. And it's too yeah, true, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. You yeah, know, that, that's exactly it. No matter where the organization is, you can make a stand and make a difference and spread the word and it'll it'll catch on like wildfire. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Andy, how, how much is that? purposeful approach of the organization and focusing on leading values and really bringing them to life every day helped your culture and helped you achieve what you've achieved? Uh, It's, it's been profound really, Brad. Um, You know, the whole way in which the the guys worked for a couple of months to get the temperature down into the warehouse, but the way in which our staff serve our customers today. I mean, I had an an email um, only over the weekend uh, from a customer, and this says, this is a really easy email to write. Can I share with you my absolute appreciation to two of your staff? Bev, well, her passion had... Her way of presenting the lighthouse to her, she was fantastic, caring, considerate, knowledgeable and fun. Matt, who just glides gently around the Sol Bay Inn, he has the ability to be everywhere, his team doing what was required without even thinking about how good they were doing it, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And that that came in over the weekend, yeah. you know, and that, that makes it worthwhile, really, Brad. Yeah, and Andy, I could hear in those those email messages you've got that autonomy and ownership and passion that you you build and yeah. team through it it's it's such a big thing isn't it like i think there's not many people nowadays that don't want to do good by the planet i don't think there's no, many of them I, right. I, I think that's i think that's right and and i and i think it starts good doing good by the planet but doing good by each other as well yeah and treating people as human beings and being very simple you know am i treating people how i'd like to be treated myself uh, and am I taking care of the planet uh, for future generations? You know, um, I've got children and grandchildren and, and you know, we've got to think about the next generations coming through. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's paramount, isn't it? And you sort of feel like, you feel like where are we at on that space? And I think you mentioned the the social gap and that gap between have and have is not. And what are you finding business can do there, Andy, to help drive to bridge that gap and help control that gap because at the moment it's just getting more and more out of control isn't it yeah the whole social uh thing is just becoming you know wildly out of control i think um you know my company are doing their bit for more than 30 years they've had a uh, community trust where they uh, this company donates one uh, percent of its profits to that community trust Unfortunately, with the pandemic, there haven't been many profits in the last couple yeah. of years. But uh, you know that that will come back, and that um, that that pot of money is then distributed to very small deserving causes. This isn't that the big charities, the big global charities, don't do great work, but we feel um, giving relatively small amounts of money to small charities that can have a profound effect on them and secure their futures is the way to go. So that's one way that we're doing it. Um, 
it has a separate board of trustees, but we have guest speakers come in. Uh, many of those trustees are members of staff and we have guest speakers come in who are running third sector organisations and they communicate what, you know, what it's like out in the outside world. So um, we're educating people, we're doing something about it, but we need to do much more uh, about it. Yeah, well, I think it's a it's a credit to you and what you're doing and to raise a topic like this, like this is, I think it's like, the, well, they say the elephant in the living room. It's the first time that this mm. topic's come on the podcast, really, from what I can remember. And credit to you for raising this topic, because I agree with you. It's uh, climate, climate change and, and that uh, distance between have and have nots is a massive one. And in Australia, I guess, yeah. just like the UK, we've got interest rates that are going up and it's just, it's squeezing the, the end of the population that has nothing to be squeezed out of, you know, so. Quite, quite. Um I was chatting to someone who's fairly senior in finance, uh, in the finance world, um, last a, a month or so ago, uh, and she said, uh, "Andy, do you know there's more money held in pension schemes now in the UK than the value of all the residential property oh. in the UK?" Wow. And then when you think about who owns all the residential property as well. You know, there's a certain group of people that's got all the wealth and you've got a, a, another group of people who are str struggling to make ends meet and particularly young people. Uh, yeah. And we, we've got to address that because we need a workforce to, to, for tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's um, Andy. I had uh, Eve Moriox on the podcast a number a while ago and he's another person like yourself who inspired me. He around global productivity trends you know eve knows that the world's productivity is going the wrong way and that you yes. know the way it's trending the next generation is going to be worse off by a long way and you, you don't have to look too far to just see it happening so it's yeah. not like nowadays yeah. it's a theory it's reality you know and i think that's where that continuous improvement culture just helps so much too doesn't it it's that it, it helps absolutely. drive productivity and outcomes that creates wealth well true wealth absolutely Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's that's the whole drive here is how do we make our our, our organisation more productive um, and but doesn't increase its environmental footprint. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it comes so together so well, because through the one system of creating that culture of continuous improvement and passion to purpose and, you know, a strong yeah. culture, you can achieve that environmental gain social gains, but also productivity gains to enhance wealth. Yeah. Andy, what do you think it is that stops more companies doing this and actually engaging in, in, in leading a purposeful and cultural-led improvement culture for the greater good? I think um, there's one or two things that uh, sort of prevent this, really. One is that, and you, you mentioned it right at the top, uh, of the conversation is that um, people perceive it as a very big upfront cost, uh, and 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 if they're working over short timescales, that's true. That uh, and you know, for some companies, they've got to report their results every quarter. Um, you know, the tenure of chief executives is not very long. Um, that all stops that action 
so that I, I, I think that's it. I think there are, you know, the consensus is pretty well set now. Uh, and businesses are trying to sort of embed it. It's good to see the investor community thinking about these things as well, because they don't want to see businesses that they've uh, invested in uh, having stranded assets. So it's it's good that the investor community is driving this change as well. I like the work that Mark Carney did with his book Values, where he said the financial system can can drive some of this and he's a sort of a ambassador for the uh, sustainable sustainable development goals so i think there's quite a lot of movement to nudge businesses in this way but i think it's difficult for people to get over this well that's going to be a big upfront cost mm -hmm. and we've got to continue to work on that you know yeah yeah thinking that well, it's slightly longer term isn't it like i think for you you're talking yeah. like 20% difference and then like a two-year yeah. period on some things and yeah. it's yeah no I mean we're um you know we're a business that's been around 150 years so oh. it uh, we celebrated 150th birthday last last year oh, um nice. so um so you know it, it it comes as natural to a business like this that uh, does have a public listing but has strong family ownership and um that's one of the other things, you know, for a chief executive to work with people and have their hand on the tiller with people who want to steward the company for the next generation. That's really important. Yeah, it, it's probably a senior leader hiring criteria for the future, I think. Are you, well, are you thinking so. about the next generation? Like what, what yeah, thought are you putting absolutely. here? Well, I mean, you know, you, you've got to think about the next generation and, um, well, as I said earlier, we've all got our children and our grandchildren to to worry about. And um, business can make a profound difference in this yeah. space. And it can move ahead in some respects of the consumer. And it can certainly uh, move ahead of the sort of political class as well, mm. who are trying to make things happen. But it seems to be becoming increasingly difficult around the world, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it seems... Uh... There's a lot of wheel spinning going on, whereas it seems like businesses like your own and some others have actually been able to get in there and make a difference, you know, and avoid yeah. that wheel spinning. Yeah. And and, and all credit to uh, politicians, you know, a number of them have seen examples like Adnams and other businesses and they have showcased them. So, you know, there is some good stuff going on as well. It's not, we can't be all critical. No, no. I think it's, it's sort of getting to that point, but isn't it? I think it's something we've got to move on fast and keep moving on in unison. Yeah. 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 And Andy, what would be um, a two-minute tip you'd give to a leader thinking about how do I improve my organisation but also reduce environmental impact? Well, I, I think really it comes back to what we were saying earlier. Um, for me, it's creating uh, an environment of trust where people can feel that they're empowered and they can come up with ideas and innovations without fear. That's mm. the important thing. So I think setting that sort of purposeful framework, uh, setting out a clear set of values is really, really important. And then being prepared to put your money where your mouth is and invest in these things to show that tangibly leadership really does mean it. Yeah. Because you know, actions speak a thousand words, don't they?
Yeah. So bring the values and bring that purpose to life through. Bring it all to life. Bring yeah. it all to life. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Andy, what what's your vision now going forward, mate? What are you focused on ahead? There's so much you've achieved and the company's been around for 150 years now. What are you focused on going forward? Well, I think, you know, the company uh, is only as good as the products it makes and it is going to continue to innovate in uh, the sort of product sphere. Um, but it's going to do that in a way that um, lessens our environmental impact over time. And that's got to be the way that we're going to continue to move forward. And that has resonance for our customers and it has resonance for our consumers. And we probably don't say enough about the things that we've done. And it's mm. a brilliant opportunity to come and chat to you, Brad, here today. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it, Andy, because it's, um, you know, that the book Creating a Lean and Green Business System, you know, brought a lot of insights to me and I appreciate what you did with that. Now, I think everyone can get that book on Amazon or online, but Andy, how can people reach out to you or get hold of, Adnams beer also well, they, they want to they try can, this um, I mean clearly we have a website adams.co.uk um, they can get me on uh, via email uh, andy.wood at adams.co.uk and they can get me on it's called X now isn't it um, which is Andy at Adams oh nice well Andy I really appreciate everything you have done mate and continue to do and thanks for helping us create that better future for generations to come mate well, Brad, thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, I think you're one of the few people to read the book. So, <laughs> oh. so thank you for that. But uh, thank you for the work that you're doing in spreading the word, mate. Really appreciate it. Nah, cheers, Andy. Ta, mate. What a great episode. Remember, you can go to our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to get hold of the Lean and Green How-To Guide to be able to go deeper into this topic and really start moving forward. Please go grab that. We've put it there to be able to help. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. The first one was responsible capitalism. The approach to really look at business for how we can create outcomes for the environment, for society, for the people that don't have so much. Bridge that gap between the haves and have-nots. It's a powerful concept. It's particularly more powerful when you consider my next takeaway, which the second one is the win-win between all these elements, the fact that we can create a culture of continuous improvement and innovation for getting economic gains, but at the same time, making impacts for the planet, making impacts for society, making impacts for ourselves. There's no win-lose here. When you think about it broadly in the terms of enterprise excellence, the gains to culture, the gains to promoting to customers and marketing, the gains to true win-win where you drop an improvement in environmental and get economic outcomes and the additional profits we can make through enterprise excellence that we can then use to bridge the social gap and help in that area. There's so much more to explore in this space, but there's so many companies doing great things. It's a passion of mine. Please keep sharing and helping us all create a better future in this space. Thanks again, Andy. You're a champion for everything you have done and will continue to do. Thanks for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.